Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. First off, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for, for being here today. Um, I would start, I'd like to start off by thanking John Mara, Steve Tisch, Chris Mara, the entire Mara family and Tisch family. It's truly an honor to be named the next general manager of this historic franchise. I don't take this job lightly. I fully understand the responsibility that comes with being the general manager of the New York football giants. I will tell you this. Throughout the interview process, it became very clear early on John and Steve's passion for bringing a winning football program to this tri-state area. I was assured that I would be given every resource I needed in order to do that. And I promise you that I will do everything in my power to build a team that will make you proud on the field and off the field. Welcome to the show. We have a new GM, Dan. It's Joe Shane, former assistant under Brandon Bean in Buffalo. Now the man in charge of being the architect behind the Giants' most, uh, well, what can we call it, the most recent rebuild for the Giants. And I think we're all still learning about him. But I could tell you from a Google search that he's 42, so that means he's 28 years younger than Dave Gettleman. And he comes from the outside. You know, he's, he's not a, a promotion from within. He comes from the outside the organization with hopefully his own concept, his own ideas on how to rebuild and fix the Giants. So that in itself has to be refreshing for Giants fans, right? The return of hope. This is where we're at. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, listen, you could just tell by the engagements and, and, and Twitter interactions and, and things of that nature that Giants fans are starting to become engaged again. They weren't towards the end of the season, understandably so. Um whether or not they're a fan of the chain hire is irrelevant. They're interested in the direction of the team, where they're going, uh, the changes that are going to be made and implemented. Um, there is some level of hope. I think maybe that hope should be tempered a little bit because we are basically hitting the reset button back to square one yet again. Um, I don't necessarily know, think that there's going to be any kind of magical turnaround, even though John Merrill said on Wednesday that he expects to have more than four wins that the Giants posted in, in 2021. And I, that may be a little pie in the sky, too. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but either way, Giants fans have a reason to be engaged again, and that's a positive. Well, one thing I've really enjoyed throughout the whole GM search is uh, all the fans throwing their uh, their top GMs out there and and dishing about, oh, which GM we... As fans, we don't really know anything about Joe Shane, right? When, I, I know guys covering the team probably do, uh, but fans, like, you have to be a freaking diehard fan to know the difference between Ryan Poles in Kansas City and Joe Shane, right? They, like, we don't know anything about these guys. Like, like even before we started recording here, I'm, I was trying to figure out where DePaul University is, where he went to school. Where the hell's DePaul? Oh, it's in Indiana. It's like, I don't know anything about Joe Shane, so we're all going to be learning about this guy throughout, right? The it is. It has been fun... You know, fans being like, oh, this is this is my list. This is the guy I want the most. <laughs> like, we don't really know anything about this guy. We're, we're still kind of getting to know him right now. I, I think that that kind of emotion really stems from what has the team that they work for done in the last few years. Sure. And I, I think you see that when you when you look at other candidates for other positions, not just with the Giants, but around the league where 
uh, you know, the, the fans and, and the people on Twitter and social media kind of get hung up on um, the success or failure of a player or a team over the past few years. And they don't dig back further, you know, see what that guy did previously. Obviously, you know, Shane had other jobs, you know, the Carolina Panthers, he broke in as a, like a ticket intern. So, you, you know, you can go back a ways, but you, you could bet that the fans that are, are super stoked about what Josh Allen and the Bills have done over the past two years have not really gone back much further than that. That's not to say that, not, you know, that that's not to say that everyone hasn't, you know, or or that all people follow that same trend. There are certainly some crazy, crazy passionate fans out there that will dig into literally everything. Our buddies over at Talking Giants are certainly two of those guys who will, un, you know, they'll turn over every single stone in their research. And, and to them, a tip of the cap much respect i think that's awesome but yeah like you said the vast majority of fans they they don't go back very far yeah i love that he was with brandon bead when they drafted josh allen because that's a home run i mean josh allen is is an unbelievable quarterback one of the best in the league now um and i think they built one of the league's most talent rich rosters over in buffalo right like gabe davis gabe davis was the number four wide receiver for the bills going into the year they had stefan diggs cole beasley they brought in emmanuel sanders right gabe davis was like their fourth receiver, situational guy. He went for 200 yards and four touchdowns over there against Kansas City. Like, he's ridiculous. This is the kind of talent they have in the back end of their roster. This is what we need uh, for the Giants, right? We need to start building depth and and having, you know, as Shane talked about throughout his presser, building through the draft and having guys that we develop. Uh, so, So that's all good. And then we were talking before we started recording too. Bill Parcells has also basically adopted Shane as his uh, son, right? And so that's another thing. That's another reason to love him. I think that's that's an incredible story in and of itself. Honestly, the eighty-year-old Parcells and and the forty-two-year-old Shane. The uh, that's that's some sort of unique combination there. But let me tell you something: if if Bill Parcells has that level of respect for you. You are doing something right. There's no doubt about that. So I think perhaps more than all of the other praise that Shane has has received from various different odds and ends around the league, I think that one probably speaks volumes more than anything else does. Not just because of Parcells' connection to the Giants, which are obvious and abundant, uh, but because of his know-how, his success, his familiarity with the league, how well-respected he is by players, coaches, executives, personnel, scouts, so yeah, I think that speaks that speaks volumes. And to have a guy in your corner like Parcells, or you could just whip out your phone and, and give him a call, that that sort of encyclopedia, that sort of library of football knowledge is invaluable for Shane. And and I think that's really going to benefit him tremendously as things go forward. All right, so we're going to be picking through Joe Shane's introductory press conference. There's a lot to get to here, Dan. Um, a lot of different things came up here, and before we get into it. First of all, there was a 10-second clip the Giants social team posted on Twitter with Shane saying that he's ready to, quote, roll up the sleeves and build a team the fan base will be proud of. And, and I don't want to crap all over Joe Shane because I'm, I'm rooting for him and I, and I want to like him and I'm getting to know him here. But and I'm, So I'm giving him a pass on these Joe Judgeisms, but we have to avoid like the rolling up the sleeves, the gaining the fans' trust, the blue collar. Like, we have to find new metaphors, right? Like we have to, we have to sit Joe Shane down and say, we can't 
just keep saying the same crap that Joe judges because we're all going to just our brains will explode again if we have there to listen to these same things over and over. <laughs> there, there was so much going on for Shane. I'll, I'll give him a pass. I'm sure he didn't same. go back in and, and listen to Joe Judge's pressers, especially his introductory presser and things like that. But someone at the Giants should have looked at that and been like, you know what? Maybe, maybe <laughs> the office re-record is close this. Yeah, let's, let's re-record let's, it. Let's re-record that and go with something else. I mean, I, I pointed it out. Fans were immediately upset, which I, I don't necessarily understand. It's Twitter, whatever. Everybody's upset over everything. Right. But, um, they were they were so upset initially, but it wasn't like I was insulting Shane. I, I wasn't. I was just pointing out the mere fact that this sounds like something we've heard before, and and unfortunately that trend did continue at parts during the uh, introductory press conference as well. I'm glad you tweeted it because it had to be said because it was so true. It was so true, and yeah, Giants fans are just uh, they're just miserable all the time right now. So there's, <laughs> it's not just Twitter. Uh, all right, so. One of the major things that came out of this presser is that Shane said he was ready to, you know, kind of build this team around Daniel Jones. And that that might answer one of the big questions. Right. He he said, uh, quote, there's not a person who said a bad word about his worth ethic. Talk about Daniel Jones, passion, desire to win. you got to have those traits as a quarterback. The kid has physical abilities, arm strength, athletic. He can run. So I'm really excited to work with Daniel. When the new staff gets in here, we'll build an offense around Daniel to accentuate what he does best. So uh, that, that answers some questions, right, Dan? If if people are wondering, oh, man, what's the new head coach, the new GM going to do when they get into the draft? You're picking at number five. You're picking at number seven. Even at number 36 overall, you're going to go quarterback with one of those picks. Did Joe Shane kind of tell us the answer? I think so. What I really loved was the response to that from the people who don't want Jones, who were immediately like, Shane took a sip of water. He's clearly lying. He's hiding things. Made me laugh, but that's that's not the case. I think he's very genuine. In fact, I, I believe wholeheartedly that he was very genuine. And, you know, he, he did some other media rounds after the fact where he talked about Jones unprompted, unprovoked, and, and said similar things and maybe even offered stronger endorsements. And that was, of course, followed up by Mara, who, who admitted the reality and he, in his own words says, we've done everything we can to screw this kid up over yeah. his first few seasons. That's a and, great line. And that's the, that's the truth. I mean, there's no denying that. You can you could be anti-Jones because you were anti-Jones when he was drafted and you dug your heels in, and that's just – how society is today, but you cannot look at the fact that the Giants have cycled through multiple GMs, multiple head coaches, multiple scouts, multiple offensive coordinators, multiple play callers, and multiple members of, of, of their roster who have all loved and spoke glowingly about this kid and then stand on Twitter and be like, they're wrong, I'm right, that's how it is. I think of anything else the doubling down on Daniel Jones should be refreshing for Giants fans because it's finally acknowledgement from the general manager and from the owner, which we haven't had for years, that they are the fault for the struggles, not Jones. And again, I said this repeatedly, and people think I'm a crazy person at this point, but if you watch Jones on film and you're unbiased and objective in what you're watching, he is an exceptionally talented and athletic quarterback he just needs a better you know better personal around him more consistency which is very essential in the nfl it's another thing that you've heard me and others say and obviously the offensive line like and i, and I really respect and appreciate shane coming out and saying listen this kid didn't have an opportunity to function behind the line the way that it was built or with the inconsistency around him you cannot evaluate people that way and 
you know, for all the people who are like, oh, I love this guy. And right up until the moment he said that, at some point or another, someone's going to have to admit they're wrong. It's either going to be the Jones supporters or it's going to be the other, the ones on the other side. And I've got some bad news for the ones on the other side. It's not going to work out the way you think it's going to. Some things just stay the same, right? Last year we were talking Team Daniel or Team Draft at the quarterback position. We're still yep. there. We're still split on that. Uh, but, you know, Dan, nobody can be unbiased. We we have a take. We dig in and we're take committed and we're backing our take for that's this is this is 2022. This is where we're at now with sports. But, uh, yeah, I want to push back a little bit on that side of it, because uh, I loved John Maris saying that, right, saying that we've done everything we can to screw this kid up. And it's it's so true. Right. Uh what if they've actually ruined him, right, by yeah, bringing in it. all these offensive coordinators, all these new head coaches, right, all these new schemes? He's also coming off this kind of mysterious injury, right, that this right. neck injury that ended his season. So I don't want to I – don't, I don't think they're going to do it, especially after Shane said this. So I agree with you. But I'm playing the other side of this argument a little bit. I don't want to completely rule out, like zero it out, that they're not going to draft a quarterback. Uh, number five, number seven, number 36 overall. Like I don't want to completely rule it out. Because what if John Mayer is right? What if they've screwed up Daniel Jones? What if there's what, what if he is beyond repair, right? I, I think that is a legit like storyline underneath it all. But I'm not expecting him to draft a quarterback, but I think it's still kind of there. I don't think it's a 0% chance. Well, yes and no. I mean, I don't, nothing is nothing is a 0% chance. So let me just start right there. Right. The Giants are going to need to upgrade their backup quarterback position no matter what. That's a given. So they are going to add a quarterback this offseason in some form or fashion. Oh, you've seen enough of Glennon? Yeah, uh, yeah I think it's time <laughs> to move on. Um, but I, I think that is probably more likely to come via free agency than it is via the draft. And, and I think primarily the reason for that is and I know some people are going to be like, oh, Kenny Pickett this, and then, you know, this guy that, and this guy that. If you were to compare this draft class with basically any other quarterback draft class of the past decade, it doesn't hold a candle. It just doesn't. Um, and that's not enough. That's not to say that one of these guys can't come in and eventually round their way into being something. Look at what Tom Brady did, all right? You know, that's – you can find talent anywhere at any point in the draft. You don't always necessarily know what you're going to get, even though some people love to live in the hindsight argument and be like, oh, see, you got that one wrong, or see, you got that one right. Um, I just don't think that any of these quarterback prospects are talented enough to warrant one of those first – you know, one of those two first round picks are necessarily even a second round pick, given what the Giants need. So I, I would expect them to, like I said, bring in a quarterback, a talented, maybe veteran quarterback to push Daniel Jones a little bit. But I don't think it's going to be there with the intent to unseat Daniel Jones. I think the Giants are very much going to give him an opportunity. How far that opportunity extends, I don't know. Is it going to be a one-year thing? Potentially. I still don't believe they're going to pick up his fifth-year option. Financially, contractually, I don't think it makes sense. Uh, if you get to the point where you feel like you want to keep him around, you can always franchise him or extend him at that point anyway. You're not going to go year-to-year with him, so either you're going to extend him or cut him loose. Um so I would expect them to build around Daniel Jones and do their best to help him succeed because he does have all the talent in the world. Has he been ruined? Has he been hurt? I think maybe he's too intelligent and mature for that to have happened. But there's no doubt about it that cycling through all these head coaches and systems and play callers, that's not beneficial for any player at any position in the NFL, let alone quarterback. So Mary is right in that they've done everything they can to screw him up. Now the hope is that Shane can stop that bleed and fix him. That's a great way to put it. And uh, one thing we do know that 0% chance, Dan, is that the Giants are not going to trade for Deshaun Watson. 
Yeah, we know that. Go. There is a zero percent chance. That's zero percent. And the the one take I had off this part of the the presser was that, like, first of all, good. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to trade for Deshaun Watson personally, so that's good. But can we not use the cap situation, the quote unquote cap situation, as the reason? Like, can't we just say like Deshaun Watson not a good person, abuses women? We don't want him to be the face of our franchise. Allegedly, uh, yeah. Well, allegedly, but I mean. That thing's still playing itself out, right? Here's the bottom line, and I'll simplify this for everybody who's upset. Please help me out. Throw me a lifeline. Of course, of course, there's those who are like, you know, they're like, obviously, you know, you can't draft him because you know he's done this, that, and the other thing. Been accused of it, and then on the other hand, you got people who are like, the Giants would never have a black quarterback. I don't think either one of those things is necessarily 100 percent true. The bottom line is this. John Mara went through a nightmarish situation with Josh Brown and the allegations, allegations that were levied against him by his ex-wife. They turned out to be true. Now, during that situation, if people recall, John Mara stuck with Brown because it was only allegations initially. When it turned out to be true, the optics for the Giants were absolutely horrendous. It's one of Mara's publicly acknowledged biggest regrets was how he handled that situation. So the last thing he's going to do, whether or not the allegations against Watson are true or false, it doesn't matter. He cannot, for any reason, bring that into the fold, not to mention the cost of draft assets that it would cost to bring Watson in, which is a whole other conversation. But he couldn't afford to make that gamble on a player with those serious allegations against him after what he just went through with Josh Brown. And then if they turned out to be true and the Giants had traded for him, not only did they waste those draft assets, then the optics, you know, are even worse than they ever were before. And you start wondering about, you know, John Mara and his moral compass at that point. So the juice is not worth the squeeze when it comes to Watson at all. So it's not a surprise that he put his foot down on that. Um the only surprise necessarily is that he did it so publicly and bluntly, which is a which is a far cry from what John Mara has been offering up to the media in recent years. Thank you for stepping in there, because that's what I was basically trying to say. Like the Giants can't afford the optics piece of it. But let's not use the salary cap as the reason we can't right. trade for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I think, right. I, I think that's the that's the safe buffer. Yeah, be like, it's, it's know, a lie. It's the allegations <laughs> and also ours. Because people can look at the salary cap situation and be like, oh, all right, that makes sense. The, the real reason is the allegations. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. That's why Deshaun Watson remains on the bench at Houston, because none of the 31 other teams are willing to take that chance. All right. More Joe Shane talk coming up right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slipping Podcast, presented by SportsBookWire.usatoday.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's NFC Championship matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. Our friends, Typico Sportsbook, have the Rams favored three and a half points and the total sitting at 45 and a half. I'm on the total in this game. Um, the total has gone under three of the last four Niners-Rams meetings. More money is on the under. More of the public is on the over. Typically, you want to follow the money and fade the public when sports gambling. So give me under 45 and a half. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? So Jimmy G sits 20th in completions over 20 yards, and the 49ers are 1-3 over under as road dogs. Couple that with a strong Rams defense, and I'll also be taking the under 45 and a half. 
That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Dan, continuing our conversation on the new Giants GM, Joe Shane. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's, this is nice. It's nice to have something positive to talk about, right? You know, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a little while. It's been a, long, it? it a long few months there talking Giants football. Uh, so one thing that I kind of like about him is that he's a football guy, isn't he? He's Indiana native, graduated from DePaul University, as I said earlier, 2001, communication major. But he, was a, he played football in college, played quarterback as a freshman. He was a wide receiver was a captain his senior season. So he's a football guy. He also seems like a really smart guy. He's coming up, He's not using the word analytics, Dan. He said he's using the words data innovation. So data that's what innovation. made me look that's what made me look up his uh, his college. I'm like, "Oh, is he one of these guys like Harvard, Princeton?" Uh, but I'm sure DePaul, you know, I'm sure that's a smart guy university, private school in Indiana. But data innovation, what's your what's your take on that? Well, I think it's needed. I mean, I certainly think it's needed. What exactly does it entail? You know, I don't know. Again, those words were used very loosely, and we've heard Dave Gettleman in the past say analytics too. And and what we've learned over the past 24 hours is that Dave Gettleman's technological advancements. Um, yeah, let's please were, go here. This is this is interesting. Please go. Yeah, were uh, non-existent despite what he was saying publicly. <laughs> um, we learned yesterday on Wednesday, I should say, um, that. Uh, that the Giants draft room still uses magnets and um, metal metal strips on the wall to hang up pieces of paper with scattering reports and data on them as opposed to even a magnet board, which would be a 1980s technology, or, or a, um, you know, a computer, which would be a more recent technology. No, they still have the magnets that were used in the original Giants stadium in their draft room to hold up information. So, yeah, Shane basically said that the data innovations will extend well beyond just play calling and on-field technology and player GPS. One of the first orders of business is updating the draft room to make it digital and, and modernized as opposed to the 1970s where it currently is. <laughs> Dinosaur stuff. Like, Joe Shane's literally saying, guys, can we get a smart TV in our draft well, room? Can, oh, we, can we please just, can we use the internet, guys? Oh, Lord. Uh, I just, before it blows my mind that there's no one in the Giants organization that walked in the draft room and been like, you know what, guys, it's 2020, 2021, 2022. Maybe we want to move on from 1976. I mean, Dan, I, I go to my dad's house. He's got this little tiny living room and an 82-inch smart TV, right? It's like <laughs> you sit on the couch. It's like sitting in the first row of the movie theater. Why does my dad have more, you know, why is my dad more technologically advanced than the freaking New York Giants? Yeah, it's amazing. I, don't, I do love that one of his first orders of business, though, is this, the redoing that entire room, modernizing it. I think some other interesting things he said, and some people are being like, where did he say this? This was on, just so everybody's aware, this was on the TK and Tierney show. Yeah, and that's yeah, an interview, interview people should check out. Yeah, that was his best interview of all the media rounds in the press conferences that he did. They asked great questions. They did a really good job. Credit to Tiki. I know Giants fans are going to scream at me for that, but he did a good job. Um, but anyway, one of the first things, like I said, one of the first orders of business, he said he's going to redo the draft room, make it all digital. But then he started pointing out other things and saying, you know, we're going we're to deep dive into injuries and, and determine, you know, 
what's going wrong? Where is it going wrong? Why is it going wrong? How can we change it through technology, through GPS? He was talking about how maybe they need to modernize the training facility, which is relatively new in East Rutherford, but maybe, you know, modernize it even further, add, add new technologies, add new machines, add new rooms, trainers, coaches, strength, conditioning. He, he went down a whole laundry list of different things that they're already considering as far as advancing in, in terms of data innovations and, and, and analytics and, and technology and you know digital outputs and, and whatever else you know all the quote-unquote computer guys as uh, Dave Gettleman called it so you know there could be a major major overhaul in East Rutherford beyond just what the Giants are doing on the field in terms of analytics and I think it's going to be interesting to see what Shane pinpoints and what he goes about changing in the next coming years to see just how far the Giants were you know behind the curve because Judging based on just what he said yesterday in the draft room, uh, it sounds like they're way, way behind, even worse than we realized. Dan, was was Gettleman one of these guys who didn't know how to use his email? Like, you know what I mean? Was he one of these guys? He like, had these his own personal. He, he was assigned his, and this is true. This is true for the Giants fans who don't know this or think I'm kidding. He was assigned his own personal IT guy who was with him at all times. So that guy actually turned on the computer for him and checked the yeah, email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he, and Gettleman still carried hundreds, if not thousands, of pieces of paper with him wherever he went. Oh anyway. my God. So this 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 all lends to this this brilliant line on Giants Wire that Dan you wrote. It's a modernized approach, something very different for the Stone Age Giants. And I thought that was a great line. Uh, so yeah, it just it sounds like way beyond anything when you're talking about data in data infra, uh, innovation and how it's going to apply to all aspects of the team, the training, practice, play calling, all that. But really, it's just, let's get a smart TV. Can we just start with smart TVs? Can we actually <laughs> use actual technology? So I think, uh, I, think it, I think it is interesting, though, because the Giants were always sort of behind in technology. And believe it or not, and I know some people will find this hard to believe, but actually started changing late in Tom Coughlin's tenure as head coach. He started bringing in, you know, GPS trackers and then looking over analytics. He didn't dive headfirst into it, but he got a cell phone. And I mean, that was a huge leap forward for Tom Coughlin at the time. And, and again, that speaks volumes to where the Giants were, but the Giants did start changing their analytics department. I should say implementing an analytics department under Tom Coughlin. And it did take, you know, some strides in recent years. And, and it's kind of weird how they, they pick and chose where that went because the players had very updated GPS tracking systems. They used drones to track the players, uh, conditioning data. They all had apps to, to watch the strain on the bodies of the players and things like that. And you hear that and you're like, wow, well, you know, the Giants are really advancing quickly. But then you hear stories like Shane said yesterday about the draft room and using magnets. And it's like, where, where did you draw this obligatory line in the sand for this stuff? It's so strange. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. And that that brings us to the draft. And Shane talked about building through the draft, right, and how that's a key to a team's success. And And I think the Bills are a great example of that. They have guys they drafted and have developed, and, you know, Look Look down the list. Dawson Knox having a breakout year, tight end for the Bills. Uh, Singletary, the running back, had a breakout year. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, although he can't return punts, but he had some good games at wide receiver. Gabriel Davis just breaking out. So the Bills have all these guys they've drafted and developed. Josh Allen. Uh, maybe the, you know, I think Joe Shane's going to try to do the same thing here. He talked about drafting, developing, and signing your own. How that's the most important thing when you're when you're trying to sustain success. I think the question I have for you, Dan, is, which Giants currently on the roster fit what Joe Shane wants, right? He's got a, he's going to start drafting his own based on what he wants in this culture he's trying to develop and the guys he likes and that, that are going to fit his approach. 
but we have to figure out which guys currently on the roster fit that m- model. And when we talk about going through the roster and evaluating and cutting uh, salary cap, which, which, you know, cutting salary and getting cap compliant, all that crap they talked about during the presser, this is what we're talking about, right? He's got to figure out which guys on this roster fit his vision, fit his culture, and then they're going to start drafting guys that they want and you know, start building that way. I think I, that's kind of fascinating this offseason and next. I think that the benefit that Shane is going to have, and again, I feel like this is the third time I've said this on this podcast, what I'm about to say is not going to make people happy. Um, he actually kind of has a leg up because I, I think the culture in terms of leadership, determination, the never quote attitude, that sort of stuff that he's looking for out of the players, I actually think that's been instilled in a lot of the players over the past two years. If Joe Judge did anything right, anything right whatsoever, it was making sure that the players were team first in their approach. They were committed to each other. They were committed to the coaches. They were committed to the team, and they never stopped fighting. Now, you could argue that some Giants did not fit that bill, and you saw it towards the end of the season. But for many Giants, they did stay true to that. The the Cam Browns, the Logan Ryans, to his credit, the Saquon Barkleys, the Daniel Joneses before he was injured, the Andrew Thomases, you know, the Blake Martinez's, Xavier McKinney's, these kind of guys all fit the mold of what it was that Shane was trying to break down yesterday. So the good news is that although the Giants roster as a whole is devoid of talent, the actual talent they do have does appear to fit the mold of what it is that Shane is looking for. You just mentioned a bunch of offensive linemen, and, and maybe that's where we can uh, maybe end this conversation for this week. Is he made it clear that O line will be a priority? Well, that's nice. That's nice to hear, right, Dan? After the Giants basically ignored that uh, last off season, so if it does feel like at least number five or number seven, or maybe both of those those draft picks in the top seven will be offensive line, almost certainly a tackle to play yeah. on the right side, right? But it, it does feel like they're definitely drafting an offensive lineman. Um, in the first round, and they're going to be revamping that O-line so guys like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, as Shane said, have a freaking shot. Right. They have to. They don't have a choice. If everything that Shane and Mara said yesterday is true to their word, then primary, you know, pr- priority number one absolutely has to be fixing the offensive line. If you don't fix the offensive line and you go through next season, then it's all been for naught. You, you, again, you can't go back. You can't. You can't analyze Daniel Jones. You can't analyze Saquon Barkley. Who knows what you have at the skill position players if if the, the offense continues to function as it has because of the offensive line. So, I, I would expect a full court press from the Giants this off season focused very specifically on their offensive line. And I could easily see them signing a free agent, maybe a guard, and then going into the draft and taking a right tackle, a center, and then even a guard, another guard in the second round. Then suddenly you've got four new starters, Andrew Thomas, and you bump players like Nick Gates, assuming that he can come back from his very severe injury um, to be a top reserve. And, And all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, the Giants go from arguably the worst offensive line in football to at least a functional one. And the, and the argument has always been, let's just give this team an average offensive line, just an average middle-of-the-pack offensive line, and see what they're capable of. Because right now, they're so far behind the rest of the league. And I don't need the analytical data or the statistics to prove it. All you have to do is watch the Giants and then watch any other team in the NFL and compare their offensive lines, and, and you know how far behind the rest of the pack they are. So if the Giants can construct even just an average offensive line, it will at least, at the very least, give them an opportunity to evaluate what they have. I'll tell you what. 
there's only one fan base that would not roll their eyes and bitch about their team picking three offensive linemen in the top 40? And it'd be the Giants. They would not. They would be fine with it. They'd be like, "All right, let's go. We got three <laughs> offensive linemen. This is clearly what we need." The thing is, is that they got a hit on them though, because yeah. it's not that the Giants 100%. haven't been investing in the offensive line. They've invested heavily in the offensive line, but they've got it wrong. They've got yep. it very, very wrong. And Shane has got to get it right. And there is going to be a challenge in that because now he's got to pivot over the next two months and get Dave Gettleman's scouting department to look at things through. Shane's eyes and you know that's going to be an interesting juggling act because he's going to have to rely on the guys who have got it wrong repeatedly to now get it right yeah I I want I'm pulling for him I want to believe in him Joe Shane let's go Uh, it it is the return of hope for uh, for Giants and, and, and their fans but Dan, I will say this. Uh, the Giants and the Bears, they both made their their uh, hires relatively close within a few days of each other, right? And they both put out this video, this little clip of their, their new GM walking from the parking lot into the stadium. And I will just say this. Ryan Poles, kind of badass, right? Gets out of his car, <laughs> and he looks like he's ready to tackle someone. Just looks like he's, he's built like a linebacker, this guy, right? Uh, and then Joe Shane, just a little bit of a different, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, nerdy or anything like that. That's not fair, but... Just a little bit of a different style by Joe Shane, but uh, you know him walking into the building, not as badass as Ryan Poles over there in Chicago, but uh, but hey, I, listen, I'm, I'm all for it. I love him. Let's go. Still look like offensive linemen. Yeah, That's exactly. All exactly. That guy looked like he could forget forget taking the role of general manager. He looks like he could still suit up and he, take the field. He might have to in practice, right over there. Yeah, but you know it's it's going to be fun to root for this guy and. Uh, that's where we're at. I guess now we're in a holding pattern for the head coach, and, and as soon as that news breaks, we'll do we'll be back on here to talk about that. Right? That's our plan. Yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm excited for it to be over. <laughs> the whole search to be over, so everybody can kind of get a feel of who's in charge, where this team is headed, what they're going to be looking for, and and instead of talking about you know what could be, start talking about what is. And um, I think Giants fans are really excited about reaching that point finally because it feels like it's been a really really long rocky road. That's the next chapter for us, the next head coach of the Giants. Hopefully um, that news breaks soon. And when it does, Dan and I will be back to talk about it. We will catch you all then. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.